Welcome to the Victoria Anarchist Book Fair's week of podcasts and performances featuring local, national, and international activists and authors. Recordings of these voices of resistance were conducted on unceded indigenous territories across so-called British Columbia and beyond. Listeners in the Victoria region are encouraged to visit Camus Books at camus.ca for anarchist publications and more. Thank you for listening. This interview with Suzanne, a blockader on the logging roads leading to the old-growth forest that surrounds the Fairy Creek watershed on unceded Pachita territory, was recorded on the unceded territory of the Lekwungen-speaking peoples, the Esquimalt and Songhees nations, in so-called Victoria, B.C. On August 9th, grassroots activists from across so-called Vancouver Island met at Lizard Lake and decided to mount an emergency road blockade at the end of Reed Mainline on a high ridge on the western side of Ferry Creek to prevent cutting, bulldozing, and blasting activity into the headwaters the very next day. I was there on August 9th, and, uh, you know, we talked a lot about getting arrested. A lot of us thought that this action wouldn't last more than three days, but it is September 16th as of the time of this recording. One blockade has multiplied into many blockades, and Teal Jones, a logging company active in TFL 46, is being prevented at multiple locations near the Ferry Creek watershed from blasting new roads, falling old growth trees, and extracting already fallen old growth trees. So the action continues. People come and people go. Decisions get made quite quickly, and it's difficult to say what the future holds. I wanted to sit down and have a conversation with somebody I met up there, as opposed to me just sitting here in front of a microphone telling you how I crested a ridge sometime. And if you're interested in getting involved, now's a great time. This action is still in its infancy, and to give you some illustration of that, there's no one place that you can check for information, but you can go to Fairy Creek Blockade on Facebook, you can go to oldgrowthblockade.com, you can go to oldgrowthblockade.ca. All of these locations will take you to where you may think you need to go. Now, please, for your listening pleasure, my interview with Suzanne. So, like, this thing kicks off, and uh, and there are some, like, key components of protocol reaching out to the Pachidat that are sort of um, missed. Like, maybe we want to briefly describe that and then move forward. Yeah, uh, you might be the better one to speak to this because I did join the show quite a bit after. Um, one thing I will say is that I don't personally think that the main problem was the missing of the protocol because the indigenous community came together and held us accountable. The big mistake was how we reacted to the accountability. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, that you did a pretty good job of describing it. And uh, I mean, certainly you see this in every level of our society, right? And in most, in most aspects, you would um, never see a course correction or would never expect to, right? And in this case we did. So maybe we can, Maybe we can start to talk about how this movement is pivoting a little bit. And maybe I want to, maybe I want to ask you, like, what were the, what were the things that um, caused you to want to get involved? Like, what, what about it excited you? What about it? Did you think it was challenging? Well, this is my first blockade. And when I got there, I met a lot of people who had been involved with other blockades in the, in the past. And that was really cool to hear exactly how, like, what happens at a blockade. I mean, I was literally picturing, like, I don't know, people piling up, like, chairs and stuff on a road. But, like, I get there, and it's so completely a different story. It's, it, was, it was a great thing to see. Like, everybody was super calm, and it, they had everything, like, completely figured out. Even though it was very small at the time, it was, um, it was, just, a, it was just a very easy thing to to want to defend and want to get involved in. And so I was just like, well, why the heck not? And so I kind of just dove uh, head first into, like they had a meeting a couple of days after we got there and I like volunteered to do a bunch of stuff. And 
yeah, I kind of just involved myself. But then uh, once I was like one level in with involvement, uh, I realized all these things that were kind of like going wrong with like past controversy and like um, people that were still confused as to what exactly the controversy was and what people did wrong. And there was so much like, uh, well, room for reconciliation, to be honest. Uh, and I, I found that I saw the, the, the blockade was really at a teetering point. Like it was, it was either going to go forward and be a great new thing, continue to happen, indigenize, you know, go by pr protocol, or it was just going to fall backward and cease to exist and be written off as a bunch of like, you know, entitled hippies that don't acknowledge protocol just out in the woods doing a random thing. It was, I found that it was at this teetering point and I felt like I had the strength and the wherewithal and the education and the voice to push it past the teetering point and just get it in a safe place and just, you know, give some people the time that they needed to understand exactly what was going on and like spread the word of like, it's not you, it's, it's, you know, all settler people in general. And like once I, when I, when I saw how crucial it was, but how much potential it had, I had no, I pretty much felt like I had no choice, but to just like fully attack it and just like get it on the other side of that, that tipping point. And now I do feel like comfortably, like as though it is there, like it's, people have really gotten their shit together when it comes to respecting elders and respecting the Pachita community and respecting indigenous people in general. Like it is a whole other environment up at the camps and I'm just like super duper involved and I can't really uh, bring myself to get out. So here we are for the winter. <laughs> so yeah, like, I mean, what, what is it kind of like up there at the blockades? Like what, what is the sort of daily grind? Uh, well, one person always has to wake up at 4 a.m. just because that's when loggers tend to come through to get the day started. Uh, there's, there hasn't really been any loggers coming up lately, though, so actually um, people do still wake up at 4 a.m., but pretty much it's very uh, peaceful. You, it, there's a kitchen set up, so people are always cooking, but it's usually, you know, a pretty small, small crowd at both blockades, and you get to know people. You sit around the fire, you talk about the, the trees and the plants and the waterfalls and the trails and all the wonderful things. And camping with the mindset that loggers might show up and you would have to stand on the road and not let them drive through. And it's really, it's nice. It's peaceful. People bring their instruments and it's, yeah, like I said, it was not what I expected. Like I, I was, I've never been to a blockade. So I was expecting like chairs and tables on the road and like piled up and all, you know, righteous and all that stuff but it's really just um people coming together in the woods and camping and having great conversations and occasionally talking down a frustrated logger but there's never really more confrontation than just like are you serious yes we're serious okay have a good day <laughs> you know like they always just turn around and leave so it's I'd say it's not really what the average person who hasn't been to a blockade pictures, but if you've been to a blockade, it's pretty much just like all the other ones from what I hear. Maybe not in the 80s when they became violent with the loggers and that kind of thing, but no. These days, it's pretty pretty chill up there on the mountain. Yeah, I would agree. Um, people might expect that it's a really grim scene, um, as blockades tend to kind of come off as sort mm -hmm. of grim but but as you say like when you get up there and i mean it is quite a grueling trip to get up there getting through these logging roads um but in any case you get up there and it is a bunch of people just kind of chilling out yeah. uh, and then maybe once a week a couple people have like a five minute conversation yeah. and then that spawns some kind of new blockade on some new road that's been scouted only recently and then it pops up shit goes down and then people reconvene and you know, chill out a little bit, get grounded, as you say, like talk about the world, the nature that they're surrounded by and in inculcated in. And, uh, and then the conversation about action kind of starts again. I mean, the, the cycle is predictable, but the actions are not. Yeah. yeah, like I don't think you or I, I mean, we're both part of this thing. And I don't think either of us would be able to accurately determine what next week looks like up there. Yeah, that's very true. That's yeah. very true. But I mean, why don't yeah. we just, uh, why don't we try anyway? Like, what do you think is possible when, when things start getting a little bit colder 
what do you think people might be expecting if they were going to go up there? Pretty much what I'm expecting is River Camp is going to stay there all winter because it's accessible and warm. Uh, and then Waterfall Camp and Browns Road Camp and all the other ones are just going to keep popping up wherever they have to so that no roads get built into Ferry Creek. And we don't know how often we'll have to move those camps, but we had somebody, oh yes, at the Sunday meeting, as I was mentioning, we had uh, four tote came into being and four yeah. job is being able to fit an entire blockade into four Rubbermaid buckets and they can be piled in someone's car or just like left overnight or whatever. And those four totes, thank you, four totes, they'll include everything, a tarp, a table, a stove, uh, some signs, you know, anything you need for a quick blockade on there. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of the most interesting and pleasing aspects of this whole uh, series of actions, I think. You know, something that you'd never expect will just sort of walk up to you, like literally walk up to you, like uh, some some dude with a whole plan, a whole praxis all to himself, you know, that he decides to gift to the group. And then we all, you know, figure out how to synthesize it. And as you say, like this, this one dude became like this instant meme because he just had so much confidence in his yeah. idea. And yeah. uh, it's just hard to, uh, it's hard to prepare for, for moments like that. Because sometimes people show up and they don't have gear. Um, and that's mm -hmm. very distressing. You know, we recommend that if you come out to this thing that you, uh, you come self-sufficient. Some people not only show up with enough gear to be self-sufficient, but they come up with an entire plan. Maybe the favorite thing that I learned from Forto was, yeah, like everybody definitely brings their own uh, skill to the scene and also their own confidence to the scene. And it's, um, it's just hilarious to be part of a grassroots movement like this that is kind of on a larger scale with people from so many different communities coming together to form it that is just like such a mix of like intake of information like four was he was at the meeting and he kept on saying we have four totes you can fit everything in them they could do this you know and then it was like he was able to put it forward in such a strong way and such a confident way that he uh his voice didn't get lost in the meeting it was a big crazy hectic meeting and it made it really made me wonder like how many how far ahead we could be in the movement and in our organization if we didn't only listen to the four tote because he had a great idea, but he also was super loud, super confident and not willing to allow people to not listen. I mean, there were so many people at that meeting that were super quiet. What if they, you know, and I'm not saying we don't give time to these people to speak up. It's just that four tote told us, really showed us that if you want to speak up, you have to speak really loud. And I'm, kind of concerned that the way that we organize things allows some of those voices to slip through the cracks. So if there was something that I could change about the blockade, it would be from changing the, uh, the meetings atmosphere from like a moderator based uh, conversation to a circle and like good old fashioned talking stick, because there's really nothing to get a quiet person talking, like having a talking stick. If you pass it, three times and it, the fourth times it comes to you like something about like the having a turn go around in a circle and having all that time to prepare seeing that it's coming to you something about that brings out words from the quietest most like self-doubting like anybody who doesn't think that their idea is good it will come out no matter what i, I truly believe in a circle setting and that would be part of indigenizing the, the blockade movement. And I think that that's something that people would be uh, pretty opposed to because it takes a very long time to go through a meeting that way, to go around the circle, you know, five or six times. But um, I think it's a, it's a clear example of possibly what we might be doing wrong and how far, like if we just were willing to have longer meetings, I think that we could be like weeks ahead in the process. You know, we would have more people at the blockades. We would already have you know, certain things set up, but it's taken a long time for us to make these decisions because we're only listening to the super loud people. I don't know. That's Yeah. That's yeah, no, <laughs> no, I agree. Um, you know, I think that there's a, uh, a strong effort put forward by most, if not everybody, to create a non-hierarchical space, but it does creep in there. And of course, mm -hmm. this is not a purely anarchistic uh, event. 
it became pretty clear that it was going to be some kind of um, ideological coalition. You know, we got liberals over here. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think that the end goal is to make a strong appeal to the provincial government. Meanwhile, there are people who think that um, the end goal, the win condition, is an end to industrialized logging entirely, you know, maybe with like a couple exceptions. But to recognize that industrialized logging is um, somehow a main component of what makes the province what it is, you know, like some sort of entity yeah. that extracts resources. Yeah, it's funny. In, in what ways do you think what we do up there are successfully aligned with a, a sort of an anarchistic mode? Great question. Um, super often, the meetings tend to be pretty hierarchical and, you know, the Zoom conversations and the uh, email list. However, as we're moving towards new modes of um, communication like this app slack that we have or possibly we're going to use signal or other kinds of things we're more able to break down those like hierarchical roles that we have going on like you know certain people who send more emails or whatever just out of like personal reasons and that kind of thing and then they get her more heard those are kind of broken down by using new modes of communication where we're more focused on the topic that we want to discuss and we can break into like task force kind of little teams that don't have a leader but I think if you're if you're not broken into little teams and if you're not well organized, uh, you need a leader to deal with all the confusion that comes out of having too many people work on a team. Like for instance, when we were trying to figure out social media and the websites and the Facebooks and the Instagrams, uh, there was like ten people working on it and nothing was getting done because everybody felt unheard and was you know trying to work in different directions and that kind of thing. And then once we broke it off and said, you people work on the website, you people work on the Facebook, everything is, is, is starting to get fixed now. So it's not kind of like taking away, like having needing a moderator so that everybody in that 10 person group can be heard is great. But if you take away the moderator, then you need to split up the group a little bit and to think about why it's structured the way it is. And then, you know, you can make way more productive decisions and have way more productive communication simply by, you know, redividing the uh, responsibility. Yeah. So that was, uh, you know, definitely an aspect of it. But I think it comes in waves. It gets more leadery and then more group, like more individual and more collective and more individual. And it kind of depends on who's at camp, really, and also who's on the Zoom chats or whatever. It, it uh, yeah, it, it comes in waves. <laughs> and one can't really predict... Uh, what kind of infinity group, uh, affinity group uh, you might wind up in either, you know, like when I started, I only knew like two people involved and now I know everybody. And there's some people yeah. I've discovered that I can work with pretty easily. And there's some people I have yet to work with. What I've noticed up there is that class anxiety doesn't really follow you into the woods. There's something about that space, even though that everybody's tents range, right? You know, some people have like a $100 tent. Some people have a $700 tent. It's funny that it just never comes up. No, it's true. Yeah, no, it's true. I, uh, it's probably one of the reasons that I'm so gravitated to spend so much time at the blockade is there is, um, definitely a huge atmosphere of acceptance and not really uh, acceptance, because I think to have acceptance, you have to notice things in the first place and then accept them. But it's it's more of just like a basic level of like, yeah, just disregarding like unneeded judgments. Like, like for instance, yeah, like class level and that kind of thing. Like, you know, I'll notice that a certain blockader has a really nice truck, but instead of like feeling like it's something compared to my van, I'm just like, damn, dude, that's a sick truck. Like I would rip in that truck you know but like it's, <laughs> it's not like uh like a lot of other circles um yeah you you well first of all you want to find your crowd so you kind of find people that have similar lives to you but when you're up there you you're you're in your crowd you know and you have people that like is like-minded people and a lot of people are activists and that kind of thing so there's no um there's no need to like find those divisions and i think that everybody else up there feels that break too. And so they also kind of just let it go. And it's, 
I think that people, especially from like COVID and that kind of thing, are starting to really think about like class division, classism and that kind of thing. And whenever that they can let it go and just like be what whoever they are, they take that opportunity more. Whether it's up at camp or, you know, in the regular world. But yeah, it is a specifically nice thing about being up there. Speaking of uh, being up there, you know, like it's so much about it's so much about connecting with that space, that um, ancient ecosystem. Uh, what is your relationship with trees? When did you begin to really pursue a connection with that kind of environment? Funny question, actually, because um, I'm from Alberta and I'm from southeastern Alberta, where it's uh, legendarily treeless. Like it's it's the prairie. It goes on for a million miles and there's not a single tree around, not even a hill. So my relationship with trees and with old growth really didn't come to being until I came to the West Coast um, as a young adult. And by I think it was just kind of, by that time, my connection to the land was, um, Great questions, kind of hard to answer. I think, yeah, by the time I connected to the old growth and to the forest, I had already uh, connected to the prairie. And I think that prairie people are a special kind of like nature weirdos. If you can learn to love the prairie and its emptiness and its scariness and its coldness and its complete emptiness, then that is a connection to the land that can be translated anywhere. Like if you can learn to love an empty field with one snake in it, like, of course you're going to, you know, be enamored by huge trees or, a, or a rocky beach or, or any of the, the other parts of the world. So I, I connected to the land from a very young age, just being raised on the plains. Um, so yeah, when I came to the West coast, I was just like flooded with, adoration for these trees and it was never really like an option for me and I I actually didn't even like I think that um I didn't even see one of those like thousand year old trees until I literally went up to the blockade like I've heard of Cathedral Grove and I've been meaning to go there for like four years and you know I've seen some pretty big trees like here and there but I never went to the ones that were actually like they have a trail leading to them and that kind of shit so I came out to this blockade I was willing to get arrested I was like here for it uh to protect these trees. And then I went and actually saw one of the trees <laughs> and it was like, yeah, it was, it was definitely confirmation, you know? Um, but I always like, I, yeah, like I was always connected to the land and I always knew that they were a beautiful, amazing thing, but I was out here protecting them before I even got to know them. Yeah. Which is actually kind of funny. And I didn't really think about that, but yeah, I literally didn't even see my first big tree until I was at the blockade. So <laughs> I've noticed that it's it is one of those things where you can intellectualize something or you can learn about something you can have the information in your mind but being out there there's this phenomenon that takes place where uh you almost enter a dialogue with uh with with a place like this and and it kind of it spins that loose information into a sort of knowledge and then all of a sudden you're like you're reminded of something that you can't remind yourself of would you consider yourself now to be a big tree hunter? Do you have a sort of fetish for uh, super old trees or, you know, cause a lot of people who are out there, they're really, you know, they're really looking for the biggest tree they can possibly find. Funny. Um, I don't really think that way. I think that that's kind of a colonial mindset, you know, competition putting one like hierarchy the biggest best tree like if you ask bill jones what the best tree is he'd say every single one of them you know like there's it's there's no best i don't know like tree hunting i like i i get it because like you know it's an amazing feeling to see these trees and the first time i saw the the big one at river camp like we were walking down the trail and i was looking down at the trail and i looked up at it and i actually i choked back tears like i was like struck by this tree so i i totally understand the attraction but i don't think that like that mindset of of putting one over the other or or comparing them or seeing which one's best and also like what is with the colonial mindset and everything needing to be so big like these trees are not necessarily only beautiful because they're big they're also beautiful because they're old and because they are sacred and because they 
are part of the land and part of the people and it's it's not like a size company it's not a truck you know like go out and find the world's largest truck <laughs> i don't know that's my take on it like i think that the colonial mindset makes everything into a competition so like definitely go out and try to see as many big trees as you can but don't compare them they don't deserve that they were around a lot longer than that mindset that's my two cents on it sorry <laughs> yeah, i get worked up about the colonial thing but good on those tree hunters i mean they've probably seen a lot of great trees you know that's yeah yeah i guess it takes <laughs> yeah. all kinds um and uh yeah i mean poor geez i mean we I, we could almost we could almost just end right there i mean we don't have to go on forever <laughs> um i guess like if you can like fit this in somewhere um just a funny story so we had a, an elder Joe Martin came up to the camp uh, a few weeks ago and he spoke with us and uh, sat in a circle with us and ate with us and stayed two nights. And it was a wonderful experience having him up there. And one of the, like, one of the first things, one of the first teachings that I heard him share. Um, and I think that anybody that listens to this should like carry this with them for the rest of their lives. Cause I thought it was hilarious was uh, he was talking to this gentleman and the gentleman was, telling a story that started along the lines of, oh, my friend was out in the middle of nowhere. And Joe Martin speaks up and goes, up, 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 the middle of somewhere. And I was like, oh, snap, because it is such a colonial mindset, like terra nullius, like this, like understanding the land is like empty and just ready for you to just pillage. Uh, there is no land. Uh, on Turtle Island that has ever been empty, like not even up in the Arctic. No, not way out in the Yukon, not like way out in the Kootenays or wherever this story was taking place, you know, like saying the middle of nowhere is erasure to the people that have lived there for a thousand thousands of years. And when Joe Martin said up, 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 it's the middle of somewhere. I was like, that was like the mic drop of the, of the moment. Like it was just amazing. I was like, true. It is the middle of somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, that's my, uh, that's my ending little story there. <laughs> Suzanne, thank you so much for joining me to have this conversation. Uh, of course, Simon. It's been, it's been awesome. If you're interested in hearing other conversations that orbit the worlds of anarchism and beyond, you can go to victoriaanarchistbookfair.ca. If you have a continued interest in the Fairy Creek series of actions you can go to oldgrowthblockade.com or the fairy creek blockade facebook page and uh yeah thanks again Listening to CFUV 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded, unsurrendered territories of the Hussainic and Lekwungen peoples. This land now referred to as Victoria. <laughs> CFUV is proud to amplify Indigenous, Femme, and queer voices on our airwaves. To see a full spectrum of our programs, please visit CFUV.ca. bulldoze over my people. Our land, our final say, no pipelines will come in our land.
here, so you don't know. We live here. Our lands, our final say. No pipelines will be coming on our land. We're peacefully asking you to leave. You don't live here, so you don't know. We have berry patches here. We have medicines here. The bears live here. The moose live here. We live here. In the era when they tried to save the man and kill the Indian Fuck a residential credential, my pride on a million I need me some cedars, some sweetgrass, some sage and tobacco I need me some medicine, my spiritual guides never lie Hold my loved ones in the sky, let them in We ain't agitators, we educators, we ain't protesters, we protectors Dream chasers with dream catchers, we the wildest dreams of our ancestors All my sisters and brothers are black, indigenous and people of color Let's hold it down and uplift one another There's beauty and unity, indigenous sovereignty, black liberation We go coast to coast Told me this the formation, this revolution will be live And then call it now For the next seven generations, all my relations More pain, more blood, more cry More sage, more life More pain, more blood, more cry More sage, more life New beginnings, I'm writing my genesis Old spirits return, this to random it When the drummers are knocking me, let them in Don't let them get back on the element I'm out of my head again Only get better when my pen and my pad is my medicine I'm a savage boy, I ain't no gentleman God damn it, I'm proud of my melanin I met a few legends who told me to get it They told me my voice is a weapon I know that I'm nothing to mess with My talking stick, my Smith & Weston
ties I see whole lives change But you still treat my hood like a foreign brain You ain't safe in the movies, ain't safe in the mall You ain't safe in school, you ain't safe at all We ain't safe in the club, ain't safe in the park Ain't safe in the streets where the day is dark You gotta make a change, make a happy today But the government's afraid of the NRA We gotta make a change, gotta happen today But the government's afraid of crime that don't pay But at the end of the day, we want prohibition, but get sweet F.A. Manufacture weapons of mass unification Subtract the multiples of division across the nation I can't understand it, we gotta demand it In an age where we have age limits, how have we not banned it? Is it cause the bandits, the one who got his hand in the pockets of the ones providing guns all on this planet? Stevie said ban the handgun in 95 So know that my love is with you whether dead or alive But the conversation, peace of mind we all trying to find Is as easy as deleting what the gun has inside But money bags McGee be sitting up in his tree Making everything but human life a priority More upset about NFL players taking a knee Than mothers who spend tuition on children's funeral fees How many is too many? How long is too long? No one hugs a grieving song like bare arms at bare arms This is a PSA to USA and NRA is Wash the blood off your hands before you say your thoughts and pray it's better Stop making bullets Stop making bullets You gotta stop making bullets You gotta stop making bullets You got a message here My name is Eunice Joe. My new channel name is Tlashucks, and I invite you to tune in to the award-winning First Nations radio show, CM Na Swamot. Tune in every Wednesday, 11 a.m. on CFUV 101.9 FM, UVic Campus Radio, CM Na Swamot, my honored Native fellow people. Wanted us to disappear. Fastest growing rate. I debate, motivate, navigate, working triple time to restore. Revitalize is on my mind. The young and the old writing to memorize the treasures of the past, present, future. Who would have thought you would learn this from computers? We're back from the future. Circuit three dimensionally. Justice has to come eventually. Yeah, you feel me? What goes down must come up. This is what I teach my little wolf pup. It's all about the love, so do it up and do what you love. Be consistent, be persistent, be connected, never distance. Relax, everyone has a gift to uplift and shift by the weed and swift. Cross over and shoot, get the three. You awoke and you can see. 
What you meant to be? What you meant to be? What you what? What? What you meant to be? What you meant to be? What you meant to be? What you what? What? What you meant to be? What you meant to be? What you meant to be? What you what? What? What you meant to be? What you meant to be? What you meant to be? What you what? What? What you meant to be? My baby's my baby. My baby's my baby. We do this on the daily. Can't wait to make my baby. Can't wait to make my baby. Beautiful, powerful, talented, smart. Practice we build, we fulfill. Ancestors' prayers. Make it foundations, good relations Red and black, we take it back To the beginning of time Help each other bloodlines Make music, make movements Love to the deepest ocean in the sea Passion to feel in the breeze As tall as the tallest cedar trees Connected and meant to be Fate not a mistake When he holds my hand, I instantly feel safe I told the universe and God I wanna know How much they love me They sent him he knows who he is, deep and smart He leads from the heart, we knew from the start Daydreamy love state, our first and last tender date It was like we knew each other for a thousand years His words heal, I cry happy tears Finally arrived, Main Street East Side Under the mirror, summer light Fell in love with me and who I be and who he sees Took me to a show, we were told to keep shining, become mortal. Shout out to Shat and uh, Kim Mortal. My baby's my baby. My baby's my baby. My baby's my baby. We do this on the daily. Can't wait to make my baby. Can't wait to make my baby. He's the sweetest work of art His words and actions heal my heart His eyes and his smile say it all He makes me calm, rainfall Raindrops sound like heartbeats I'm all in and I play for keeps He's my king and I'm his queen Finally the love that we dreamed when we were 16 Sitting up in our rooms, weak in our knees It's the love of our daydreamy dreams He's the sweetest work of art His words and actions heal my heart Sweetest work of art. His words and actions, uh, heal my heart. My baby's my baby. My baby's my baby. My baby's my baby. We do this on the daily. Can't wait to make my baby. Can't wait to make my baby. Play for keeps, stay dreaming deep Ready to leap at the edge of the best It's not a test, finally, uh, respect Building, healing, fulfilling Never a burden, always learning Always ensuring what is real Always ensuring how to feel The deal's the deal It reveals, uh, so surreal My heart and mind and spirit can hear it Never ever vivid, no limit Our love is the business Wicked, explicit. He kisses, he misses, he listens. This is why love was written. Written in the stars, written in the bars. Music is our love memoirs. Pages and phrases captivated by the ocean and the breeze. 
It's in the stars, in the trees You are, you are the light 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 He takes his time, he knows what's right He knows exactly what I like Love at first sight, always there, never afraid I'm amazed, every day I celebrate I give thanks to the most high My deepest ocean is satisfied A queen and a king, together we can do anything Husband and wife has a good ring Good relations is what it brings Healing future generations is what I sing Walk with the love, be about the love Time to receive the love It's all a part of the plan above So time to give it up and do it up Do what you're meant to be and be you meant to be because the light is in you and me. Let's make history. The words, the message came clear The words 
What's the message? The love is near, the love is near The words, the message came clear The words, the message, the love is near, the love is near Wanting more, wanting more Wanting you to come through the door Wanting more, wanting more Wanting you to come through the door Wanting more, wanting more Wanting you to come through the door Wanting more, wanting more Wanting you to come through the door Do you want to hear your voice on the radio? You can volunteer at CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Host your own show or play with sound behind the scenes. It's up to you. Visit CFUV.ca for more details. No previous experience required. Kid, unicorns can't see into your heart. All our dumb horns can do is glow, point towards the nearest rainbow, and play rave music. We all want to have fun here. So watch out your moves. Relax. 